Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Joe. <laughs> so, I welcome to being my friend. Welcome to hanging with me on the show, man. I really appreciate your time and your effort. And, you know, if this is your first time joining me for the podcast, uh, as far as anyone listening or watching, thanks. You're so welcome right now. Thanks for coming by. And, uh, you know, if you like this conversation, hopefully hopefully it's a good one. I don't know yet. Who knows? We'll cross our fingers. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, go back and check out all the other ones. And, uh, you know, hit that, hit that subscribe button so every Monday you get a new audio experience. Joseph Rashbaum. Dude. What's happening, my friend? Well, first, I, I've never been, like, greeted by a bongo-playing wrestler before. And so, thank you. And I, you know, some that's one of those things you never realized was always on your bucket list till right. the moment it's getting off your bucket list. Well, yeah, I mean, that, 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 really, that really nails the saying that, I, that I, have, I have it written on my wall. Sometimes you don't know what you want until what you want staring you right in your face. Dude, you know, that, that I grew up on I Love run. Lucy reruns. You and Bongos, you're like a postmodern Desi Arnaz <laughs> my laugh's My laugh's a little different. Okay. <laughs> Sadly, mine isn't. So, <laughs> I, have a, I do, I, I myself always have a lot of explaining to do. Uh, yeah, I, considering there's like four different images behind your neck as we speak, that's, I imagine that's the case. <laughs> okay, <laughs> dude. Appreciate being on the show, man. Happy to give whatever. I'm psyched that I was able to meet you, and like from the sec from the second we met, I was like, this dude is so friendly, and like very <laughs> helpful on top of that. So there's like friendly, and then he's like goes out of his way to tell you like here's here's a pretty cool idea. Worked for me. Like it's never it's never like a it's never like an unsolicited advice idea. It's like Want me to tell you something that worked cool for me? Maybe you want to try. That, <laughs> that's the kind of friends everybody needs to have. Now that means I, I, I first thank you and believe me, I did. This is about eight compliments I can give you in twenty seconds too, and 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 will. Uh, but no, I did. It, compliment off? Are we gonna have a a a, a battle? Right, a rap battle without any actual insults? Yes. Right. <laughs> a nice off. Right, it's a nice, it's a, it's a polite off. Yes, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you recognizing that, man. It means a ton. And I just, I really feel, you know, whether it's, you know, being on a set for a showbiz project or surviving a pandemic and an economic meltdown, it's just, I really always feel we're all in this together. And, um, you know, if there's some way that we can be more communal about it, and obviously it's what builds lifelong great friendships and just, it breaks down barriers and you know look it's i grew up in new york and you know new yorkers always you know have a bad rep initially to people who've never been from new york about being too tough or too rude and it's all true but here's the thing we're we're, we're very in your face about it because we want to break down the barrier of no bs right away and this is who i am and if it's for you great and you got about 30 seconds to impress me. And if you do, then we're going to be fine for life. You know? <laughs> and I think sometimes, I think maybe what was, what was big for, for my argument's sake, for me impressing you, was that I was with somebody who you already liked at the time. She's so so then, 
I just got I got built-in bonus points before I even, <laughs> I even knew I had to impress you. In, in marketing, you were what we'd call the upsell. You know, buy it, buy human A now, and you'll also get Corey Castle. You know, absolutely no charge free. Yes, please have your credit card ready and order Corey Castle now. So, so tell me about tell me about the the entertainment life and how you came into that because I know at one point you were you were kind of on the behind the camera part of it, and now right. you're more on the in front of the camera part of it. Exactly, exactly. I decided to give up the safe bet of how they'll pay you to be on a set for the more challenging and traditionally far lower pay grade because, you know, we all hit a point in life, don't we, you know? <laughs> well, you were, you were, were you, mar you were in marketing? Marketing, no, I still am, and I, and I, and I always will be, and uh, no, no, and I always will be. Um, so it, how did I get into it? Um, my mother told me, this is a true story. So I, I, first 18 months of my life, I lived in Manhattan until we moved to Brooklyn. Um, my mother was walking me in the carriage in Central Park and the late comic Jonathan Winters, a legendary comedian, Robin Williams's hero and mentor, mm -hmm. um, you know, just truly one of the funniest human beings, was shooting a commercial in Central Park. So my mother thought, this will be fun. Me and little Joey will sit there politely and watch Jonathan Winters be famous, you know. And, um, well, a little Joey had other ideas, apparently, because little Joey started letting out a well, demanding to be heard on set. And mom, as I was told to me, was asked to politely move little Joey off of set. And, and I guess you could say, you know, I, I finally about time I friggin' came full circle, big guy. You know? <laughs> Dude, I, did, you, did you watch that Robin Williams documentary? On uh, I, I haven't seen the most recent one. It's very high on my list. I mean, who didn't love Robin? Yeah, who dude. Um, I mean, I, I talk about all the time. Uh, me and Carly got into like a, 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 a kick through the quarantine where we just watch a bunch of Robin Williams stuff. I mean, both of us have watched hook billions of times i mean she's got she's got tattoos of hook on her leg she's i didn't know i you know if i may have permission to take a closer look at her thigh next time I, I'm, I'm i'm into it you know she has the hook and it says good form underneath it <laughs> and then she has the whole captain hook's pirate ship on her on her leg wow time you're scrolling stop scrolling and look a little bit closer I mean, I'm a Dustin Hoffman fan and all. I still think The Graduate was like one of the three great young adult movies everyone should see. But that's that takes it to a level, you know. Well, I, I was I was talking. We we also watched Mrs. Doubtfire in our in our binging, and yes. uh, and and some Aladdin. Um, but I I just googled other Robin Williams tattoos and other things he had. <laughs> Like some really cool. Somebody had like the the her uh, Mrs. Doubtfire's face on the on the cake. And it's, Hello. <laughs> there one was a. Uh, it was a run by fruiting, and it was her. You know, uh, being a Jewish guy from Brooklyn, it was when he did the Streisand bit that kind of grabbed me, you know. Do you, do you know what, what she hadn't seen 
that I had introduced her to through the, the quarantine, Birdcage. That movie yeah. still holds up. It's still a really good movie. It's a little, <laughs> but for the most part, it's a really good movie. Dude, I, I have to absolutely no. I, I top three comedy of all time for me, hands down. I agree. Best Hank Azaria role amongst a, a slew of amazing Hank Azaria roles. I've um, Gene Hackman taught me something about wasps. In that, it, you know, I never knew that a person could like. To me, that may have been Gene Hackman's role because he had to purposely tell the most boring story ever about the foliage in Ohio. You know, and like he literally, I got it. I've seen like that, that movie 80 times. I actually try to pay attention to and not veer off when he tells the story. I've still yet to be able to master it. That's how brilliant an actor Hackman was in that. <laughs> I love when he, when he like, when, when Gene Hackman's in the drag and then he talks, he gets to his driver and he says like, meet me at whatever. And he's like, hey, you wish buddy. <laughs> okay so this is this is scary um I, this is one of those things that i'm sorry i can't name names but my parents had a friend growing up you know one of their you know one of their couple friends what have you and nice enough people they like me but they were a bit snooty you know what have you no bullshit gene hackman dressed up as the woman at the end is a doppelganger of the wife of my parents' friends from when I was growing up. I still can't look at that and not, I can't, I won't say the name here, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, they actually work in law, it would be bad. I'm not gonna listen yeah. to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> free reality, everything's fine. Uh, no, I, I agree, but you know, <laughs> ask yourself, do we really have that good a luck in life? You know? <laughs> Man, you know, I, and maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I've said this to you before, but, I think that like people when people do the whole like luck and that's just my luck and this the kind of luck I have is this it puts the it puts the the power on that force that isn't you you're the one with the power you're the one with the with the with the energy not 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 the the luck that we may or may not have is then the, then it's not then it's not in your your control anymore it's some something else some other driving forces control so uh, no, I, I, I for a thousand percent agree. And I got to tell you, it's something I've espoused to people. It's something I live. I'm not a big person. I don't believe in no one can't. I really don't. And there's nothing that pisses me off more than when somebody makes excuses habitually as a part of life, you know, and why they just it's no one can't constantly. It's maybe you just got to keep trying it because sales is a numbers game in general. And you got to pitch 100 people to get two people interested in anything you do. And part of it is just maybe your methodology is a bit off, you know, and you just, you got to tweak and shift the methodology of how it is you're trying to go, go about doing it. Well, I mean, it's also, it's also like goes right full circle to what we were already talking about. Maybe what you really want to do, you haven't found it yet. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Uh, because when I was a little kid, all I wanted to do was be a comedian and be a wrestler. I didn't know I wanted to be a podcaster because that didn't exist yet. Then, yeah, okay. You know, and now it does. Okay. Now, this is what I want to do. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, and you're very good at it, too. Everything you, really you want to do in your life doesn't exist as a career yet. 
I agree. I look, dude, it's I, I, I have three callings. I mean, number one, I have a radio advertising business and on the marketing side. And number two, I do a lot of the on camera scripted and non scripted. And I also have kind of found a niche as a YouTuber where I've actually had a lot of both music journalists as well as big name music celebrities use a lot of footage that I shoot of them at events. And like I've been republished in Rolling Stone about 90 ish times in the last six years. I have 15 Rock Hall of Famers that use footage that I've shot of them on their own personal websites, what have you. I didn't know what a YouTuber was as a kid. You know, there wasn't a YouTuber thing. And, um, you know, viral, what was that? So I agree. You know, I mean, it's just we, we, you and I are in a good position right now, as is I really feel anyone who wants to get into the entertainment industry. It's not like, the old days of however you want to define the old days of literally waiting by the phone, you know, or waiting for like backstage to come out once a week and everybody answers the same ads, you know, castings are available in real time now. And there are ways of tweaking your message, different photos to submit for different opportunities, different pitch cover letters. Um, you know, I was lucky one of the big, you know, in, in getting back to it, I've, I, you know, I've done a lot of non-script that would have you. I've been on, I've been cast on six game shows. You know, I was on one of the big reality shows. I was on The Amazing Race um, at one point. Uh, you know, I was on Pyramid, what have you. You know, segued up by luck. I wound up getting into background acting and such, and from that got featured in a commercial year and change ago. This year, even with the pandemic, I kind of shifted away to more featured stuff and. You know, I mean, it is a great example. I got, I was lucky to get cast. I have my own small scene coming up in uh, CNN is doing a six part docuseries on Lincoln. And um, I actually am playing a, a guy who is a historically pro slavery congressperson from South Carolina. And, uh, you know, this is this is why I think you saying this story, because l let me just pause you for a second, if you don't mind, you you said this story while we were on like a like a hangout and i was like wow he's taught us way more information than we needed to know but we didn't know that we needed to know that <laughs> right, okay <laughs> like almost what you just said i didn't i didn't know i wanted a wrestler to play the drums at me and welcome me <laughs> but now you know that's the thing you want so continue with the story no you're, you're cool and it, it was even more just about making the dreams come true i'll, I'll share the story because it was a crazy one but you know, I mean, this was something I didn't even know how to do a year ago, but, you know, it was kind of interesting. You know, I had a really inspiring experience in that the guy was cast to play Lincoln. Uh, he told me this incredible story. His name is Gabriel. Sweetest guy in the world. Very outgoing. Kind of set the tone. Met up with all of us on set. Introduced himself. And, uh, you know, he had told me here he studied at the Lee Strasberg Academy, one of the top acting schools on the planet. Ten years. He hadn't really caught a break yet. Thought about quitting, thought about giving it up, did some soul searching six, seven months ago, what have you. And literally, it's not that he was giving up. He'd nearly give up, got back into it. He, you know, subscribes to Backstage, just like a lot of actors. And when you subscribe to Backstage, you get 500 characters to pitch yourself. And he really always had a personal passion for Lincoln and that aspect of American history. And he literally got cast in his final, you know, in, in his biggest role to date after 10 years as a struggling actor playing Lincoln for six parts on CNN coming out in 2021 because he had a real passion and he was able to draw from it 
And whereas a lot of people in a cover letter will write, I played this and I played this and I played this and I played this and blah, blah, blah. He talked about his passion for Lincoln and that got him the serious look. And he was a good deserving person that did it. And, uh, you know, long story short is it took him 10 years. He found a solution, deserving person to do so, you know, and, and that, you know, you talk about evolving. This is a man who I got to see evolved and I couldn't be happier for him. You were also telling a story about about a character that you played where you knew more about the character than the filmmakers knew. Dude, it's yeah. I'm I, I'm like an overload. I'm like there's a reason I've been cast on six game shows. My mind puts Wikipedia to shame on some topics. You know, <laughs> uh, believe me, I'm the guy you want on your team at bar trivia. Um, you know, so same thing, Lincoln. I had gotten, it was the first time I had ever gotten cast in a featured role when I went to an in-person audition. And, you know, they liked me very much. And even to the point that they had asked, you know, have you ever done any stunts or action? And I said, you know, look, here and there, I've been in some light action scenes. I was in, you know, I've, I've been in four episodes of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And, you know, I happened to be in a bar fight scene near where the action was happening. So they appreciated that. So after they cast me, they cast me as this guy, Preston Brooks. And this guy was a historical asshole. This guy was a real piece of work. But, um, you know, like it was it was intriguing. He was about as pro-slavery and a Confederate asshole as you could be in 1854. And, uh, you know, was was quite the hero. And I mean, like he had been thrown out of law school for, for fighting with a cop. He had walked with a walking stick because he was shot in the hip in a duel. And as if that wasn't, his piece de resistance was he was on the receiving end of this fiery abolitionist anti-slavery northerner speech from a fellow congressperson on the opposite side of the fence. And he responded to the speech by taking his walking stick and beating the guy nearly to death on the floor of Congress. And this is what they looked at Joe Rashbaum and said, that's our guy. <laughs> Again, you never know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning. And um, so I really researched this guy. I want to give the best performance I can, even if it's like a 30 to 60 second role. And so it turns out I found out this guy, you know, beat the, the opponent and had a walking stick in the duel. So they call me for wardrobe. And I go to the assistant casting director, so you are getting me a walking stick, right? I goes, what do you need a walking stick for? Tell him the story I just told you. He's like, I can't believe you researched the role. That's incredible. I am beyond impressed. I'm going to remember this. He then directs me to the guy who does the measurements for wardrobe. I said, hey, am I getting a walking stick? This is guy number two. Guy says, I need a walking stick for. I said, don't you know who Preston Brooks was? This was a guy who beat his opponent and walked with a stick. You know, and he's like, wow, I guess you really do need a walking stick. So then guy number two, assistant wardrobe measuring guy, directs me to the costume designer, the head costume designer, woman who's doing all the wardrobe. And he actually says, hey, this is Joe Rashbaum. He's playing Preston Brooks and he wants a walking stick. And immediately the costume designer says, oh, we know they're already on order. 
The costume designer was ahead. I had the same wavelength the whole time, you know. Sometimes you just got to put it out in the universe, and the universe will respond if you're passionate and smart enough about it, you know. And uh, so I go to shoot it. They got me three walking sticks, a rehearsal one, a breakaway run, and an authentic one. You know, and like we rehearsed the taps and the the what have you. So I don't want to spoil any of the content, but like the whole thing is I wound up getting, you know, my first Screen Actors Guild waivers because of this. And, you know, my own scene in what's going to be a heavily featured, you know, TV event next year. So it's just, you just, there's no such thing as being too prepared. Yeah. You, you, uh, you, you really stepped up. You stepped up and probably impressed a ton of people with with knowing that stuff. You know, you got to be, it's, you know, it's a, whether it was Tom Cruise and Risky Business or Howard Stern and Private Parts, you know, the, the big life lesson is sometimes you just got to say, fuck it, you know? I, you know and, what? I think, uh, I think uh, Howard Stern had a lot of practice in, in, uh, in, like, being himself to play the role of himself in that movie. He had a lot well, of practice. I agree. Like, I remember him saying, you know, at one point in publicity for that film, for, for the film Private Parts, I remember him saying, like, I had to actually act how to be a bad disc jockey. I forgot how to be a terribly untalented hack radio host, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, mad respect. Betty Thomas, underrated director, you know? Well, like, I uh, mean, I kind of have the same thoughts for, like, um, for, like, did you watch Crashing on HBO? No, I had no, I didn't. I'm sorry. Like Pete Holmes had to play a, a stand-up comedian, but like kind of a newer version of himself playing himself, and he was just he had to go back to old bits that you know, maybe weren't as fun or funny or good as his recent stuff. So it's the same kind of thing. Like he had to relearn how to be bad. Like I I had to <laughs> all this effort into getting good. Now I gotta play bad again. <laughs> well, dude, I you want to hear crazy stories? So, one of my inspirations growing up was I had a much older cousin uh, who wound up briefly having a spell in Hollywood where he was featured in three studio films. One of which he actually like he's the most featured person on the poster um, in, a, in a film called The Defiance. And I mean, it had an interesting cast. That had Art Carney, it had uh, Jan Michael Vincent, Teresa Saldana, what have you. Um, you know, like it was an interesting thing. He wound up getting his comeuppance by getting his ass kicked at the end of the movie by the guy who played Polly Walnuts in The Sopranos. And, um, you know, it was funny. He, you know, he worked very hard to do it at a time it was challenging, 70s, 80s. And they wound up, he grew up in the tough neighborhood of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And one of his key scenes was filmed in the very subway station that he had spent his ass trying to get away, his life trying to get his ass as far away from as possible. So his keynote moment winds up being on the very horrible neighborhood subway station that he, you know, talk about full circle, man. It's it, it to your point. Sometimes you just can't avoid your destiny, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, I tell you the movie that I cite to people in terms of just there's no such thing as no one can. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Free Solo. Was that with Mario Von Peoples? Ah, uh, oh. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> no, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, you know, um, no, um, on Hulu, on Disney Plus, best documentary ever came out about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's basically about a guy named Alex Honnold, who's the greatest rock climber in history and had basically the most difficult, accomplished the most difficult rock climb ever, where he scaled what's considered the most challenging mountain in climbing, El Capitan. Um, he scaled it over 3,000 feet, but without any equipment, literally free solo, just his body. Oh, wow. Wow. And it was just, and it was done by a, a National Geographic film crew made up of world-class climbers. And it was just, it was film brilliant. And, you know, here was this insight into this guy who's just, he was born to be the world's greatest climber. And you ask yourself, who wants to climb a mountain with no support where you could die just because a bird whizzes by right. for yeah. 3,000 feet or a mosquito decides to, you know, do one of those. Right. And, you know, here was this guy who just, he knew he had to do it and he did it. And the fact that you go into it knowing the ending doesn't spoil it at all, but I uh, can't recommend it enough. And like, I got to tell, like I, I tell anybody ever since seeing that movie and I've seen it a bunch of times now, you know, there's no such thing as no. If a guy could climb a 3,200 foot mountain without equipment, don't tell me there's not a job out there for you. Don't tell me there's not a relationship out there for you, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, dude, um, I watched, I watched a um, couple, couple documentaries today. I watched, um, I watched the Thirty for Thirty, uh, the Bruce Lee one. Did you watch that? I haven't seen that yet. How is it? It was good. It was called Be Water. Um, but that's definitely something I would suggest to you. I watched this documentary last night on netflix and it was about it was about well it was part of a documentary series uh that, that it's called like home game and they did an episode on professional wrestling in the congo like <laughs> like so like no, that was a thing <laughs> neither did i so they have these dudes they're like they they practice like like they're gonna be like they're gonna be in a ring, but like they're just kind of on the ground and they're slamming, <laughs> suplexing, and then like when they go to whip each other off the ropes, they just like like kind of hit the wall and go back. It's it's, <laughs> it's real weird. But then when they have the big shows, they it's called catch 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 fatal. I forget what whatever it was whatever the second part is. Catch is like the European word for pro wrestling. But uh, whatever the second part of whatever this word is, it has to do with this kind of voodoo. So everybody who watches this show, like, buys into it. Like, they, and they, they incorporate voodoo, like, like African jungle voodoo, into their matches. So, like, when, when somebody gets beat in the match... There's like a, there's like a ceremony, and they like turn the person into a baby goat. And <laughs> and it's the, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But, but check out it's the show. Let's try that one. <laughs> check out the show on Netflix. I think it's called Home Game. But uh, that's just. <laughs> 
Wow. I yeah. um uh, wow, the one gimmick McMahon never came up with. Right. <laughs> Turn people into baby goats in the ring. Turn people into baby goats. Yeah, and you know, you know, the second that McMahon saw that documentary. He's calling all of his top executives saying, we got to get on this shit, man. You know? No, there's absolutely no chance he's ever seen or will ever see that documentary. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he's only, I bet you he only watches like WWE programming and nothing else. I, yeah, just, yeah. I guess. I don't think he watches anything else. Um, <laughs> maybe like, maybe like. Shows like CSI and NCIS and shows like that. That's Procedurals, don't have to think. 80-year-old men watch that kind of stuff. Maybe he'll eat his brunch in front of like a Matlock rerun. Oh, yeah. There you go. You know, I, regardless of gender, I think there's a certain age in this day and age when somebody just gets up, puts on prices right, and says, you know, Drew Carey really isn't a bad-looking specimen. <laughs> Dude, hosting a game show, hosting a game show or, like, hosting, a, like, a, like, a variety talk show, like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, any of those, that, that feels like that's always been, like, one of my dream jobs to do. Sure. Always wanted always wanted to be like hey this is a every day we have another run at this like when i listen i listen to conan o'brien's podcasts and then like andy richter's podcasts and they talk about like hey if it's a bad show we got tomorrow and everybody will forget about the one that happened today so i'm i i like that idea a lot you know, I you you know you should because the truth is i think that jimmy kimmel really is a great prototype of it in that he started as a radio host, started as a sports guy, you know, kind of had a little bit of the paying dues. I mean, things like playing second fiddle to Ben Stein, you know, or playing second fiddle on the man show or that kind of thing. Um, working the L.A. comedy set. And like Jimmy Kimmel was not a name when he, you know, really pioneered. Um, ABC's late night talk format. There wasn't, I mean, they did not have a success for a long period of time with know, people like Pat Sajak or what have you. Um, big surprise there. And uh, talk show, what's that? Did Pat Sajak yeah. have a late night talk show? You know how long this episode is going to take? That's about how long the Pat Sajak show lasted <laughs> in its entire run, you know. <laughs> 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 See things you didn't really think you needed to know, but now you're like, damn, I'm never gonna forget that. You know? yeah, I'm going to do zero percent research into that. I'm not yeah, gonna, this, not gonna uh, you know, I, believe it. I invite you to fact check me on a lot of things. Don't waste your time on Pat Sage. You know? I know. I I know, as I'll say on this show a billion a billion times, and I'll say it on any show I'm on, is like your time, your time and my time are such a valuable currency. Like, you, you, what you, what you put your attention on is crazy because you're competing with everything and anything. So it's like if it's a if it's a little fact like that, I'm like, ah, all right, cool. You already know it. I don't need to know any. I don't need. I don't need to know anything more about it. If I'm gonna ever lie to you about anything, it's not gonna be about Pat Sajak. You know? <laughs> that's why you know what. That's why that's a very good reason why 
we made a, a movie that was only 15 minutes long. <laughs> getting, getting people to commit to like a full feature is a toughie. It's okay. super tough. It, it's yes. insane, dude. I mean, and, and it's like, I, I'm, I'm trying to part with some of your time, but I don't want to waste it. I want to make sure it's really good. I want to make sure it's worth something. So I especially said that when I'm on the podcast, because I'm like, sometimes these can go sort of long. So I appreciate you using the currency of your time and your effort to find this show and to like have it keep your attention because I mean, it's one thing to have something on in the background and never pay attention to it, but it's another thing to like pay close attention and like maybe, maybe find out some cool new things that you didn't know. Like Pat Sajak having his own talk show. <laughs> I don't know about. Hey, uh, I know I'm going on YouTube now. I haven't thought about that in a minute. <laughs> I know that's a, a fun, cool thing, but it is an interesting something. Who knew? I, you may have expended more energy than that than 40 years of Wheel of Fortune. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, I did like the Pete Holmes talk show. Did you watch that? Um, I did not. Unfortunately, on, I did miss it. It was on TBS so, like, after Conan. It was a. It was also like eighty episodes. It didn't last very long, but I I liked it. And you know what I like about you know talk format is something that really can work, and it's something I really I, I sincerely am not just saying this because we're friends because you, you're kind enough to have me on the cast as it were. Um, no, I, it's something I really think that you would have the capability of doing, but. You know, what I've seen, again, I mean, I've worked behind the scenes. I've produced a whole bunch of celebrities as well as radio people and CEOs and captains of industry and a lot of from the radio point of view mostly. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of these people. And there's what I found is there's an interesting niche that can be had in a delivery. Like, to me, the most underrated talk show host of the last 15 years, whatever the case may be, Craig Ferguson. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The Late Late Show became buzzy because James Corden learned how to nail social media and create things that were viral. And that wasn't Ferguson's game. I mean, he was a low-budget talk show. He had no, he had no band. He had no... no, no he like, had an animatronic, gay, yeah, skeleton character. You yeah. know? Yeah. Jeff the gay animatronic skeleton. You yeah. know? His monologues. He's too just kind of like lean on the camera and talk. It was it was it was cool. I really liked what Craig Ferguson was doing, and his standup was good too. I liked some of his specials. Freaking genius! Freaking genius! He had two. You know, one secret he had a lot of people don't know. He got Johnny Carson's old producer, okay. and I, it, that really you know you talk about Bruce. It really to me that's everything. If oh, you I know you're gonna, you name, have no budget. I didn't call it out by name. I was just saying fifteen minutes short. Uh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course. Promoter. <laughs> it's public. I wanted everyone to pause the podcast. Pause the podcast and go and watch Bruce for 15 minutes, and then come back and and then we'll and then listen to the rest of this episode. You won't. You won't ask for the 15 minutes back. I promise. <laughs> so, like you know, he you know Ferguson. I I admire the fact like if he had a limited budget. Get an MVP producer. Get the goat of late show producing. The, you know? the, the baby goat. The baby goat, as it were. And I, you know, I, I think that that worked him. He, um, I was lucky enough to have a cool experience with him in Atlantic City, Ferguson. 
of all things, my little nephews used to come here when they were younger um, to, to summer, uh, summer here with their fun uncle. Um, and of all things, their parents loved watching DVRing the Ferguson show. Then they routinely watch it at dinner the next day as a family. So at like five years old, my nephews became mega Ferguson fans and uh, not not the classic demographic. And um, I was lucky enough. I had some old connections from CBS with The Amazing Race. We had the same uh, publicists to where when Ferguson played Atlantic City, I got to surprise my nephews, not just with tickets to Ferguson show, which is decidedly not for five year olds. So most of it was like, you know, but Ferguson agreed to do a meet and greet with us. And he was the coolest guy ever, like to the point his assistant pulled me aside and said, I have been working for Craig for seven years. I have never seen him that amazing with fans. And like he took the time, he sang his theme song with them and told jokes and he interviewed them and he had autographs and photographs, you know, what have you. And it was terrific. Even like once he picked up on the fact that we were Jewish, like he actually was throwing amusing Yiddish phrases at us, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I will, I will always be a fan because I got to know the real guy for a bit. So, um, happened. Since you brought up, you know, uh, being Jewish and and that sort of thing, are you circumcised? Yes. No, 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 no. I mean, are you are you like hard into the practice of it? Do you uh, go to temple and and that kind of thing and all that even more? What do you think about like what this life is? What the hell is it? Like what happens when we're dead? That kind of stuff. Spent a lot of I've spent a lot of time reflecting upon the truth of what I was taught in Hebrew school as a kid, and you know some of it where it may veer off. And uh, short answer is I'm actually a lot more practicing than most. I'm not Orthodox. I'm kind of in the rare middle of what's labeled conservative Judaism, which is more practicing than most. Not as practicing as as the Hasidic with the, you know, with the curls and the hats and the what have you. But no, I actually, I keep kosher, um, which, you know, in this day and age is easy to do just because you do vegetarian and, you know, fish and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, so it's fairly easy enough. Um, I'm actually a fairly cheap person to take to dinner because I'm never going to order the lobster, you know, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, which is kind of half the battle. Um, for me, it's something that is a really important tradition along with a few other key, tr key traditions, holidays and what have you. You know, it's, most people, when you say, what's your favorite holiday, they won't answer Passover. But for me, it's actually, you know, telling the story of the Exodus and coming out of 400 years of slavery is to me very inspiring. And the fact that for 3,300 years, there's been a verbal tradition that's been passed down and carried out every year by people globally. I think that is so inherently cool. Um, you know, and just to be a small part of that. I watched um, Uncut Gems yesterday. Great freaking film. My grandfather was a jeweler on 47th Street in the Diamond District. So I grew up a lot of uncut with a lot of uncut gems like characters. And man, the authenticity was nailed. Okay. Uh, well, as soon as you said like the, re you know, the retelling of the stories and the, pa and the passing it down or orally. Like, I, it automatically took me to the scenes where they were reading. And I was like, okay, all right, all right. No, yeah. it's beautiful. No, if, if you ever have extra gold or jewelry to sell for cash, do a, do a social experiment. 
Go to 47th Street between 5th and 6th Avenue. That's literally the Diamond District of Manhattan. And I want you to go. You want to learn selling. You want to learn how to at negotiation and getting ahead. I want you to go to every jeweler and ask them what they're going to offer you for this item. And it's fascinating to see them close you for the privilege of giving you money. What, 23, 23? No, 23, nah, maybe I'm going to go to that. No, 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 we'll give you 26. Yeah, 26, it's better, but I'm not so sure. How about 32? I'll give you 32, 32. I tell you what, I'll even give you a chain for your trouble, you know? <laughs> and I, I, it, 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 that is, you know, that is sales and negotiation 101, and it's one where you are guaranteed to walk away with more money than you woke up with that day, you know? <laughs> Yeah, man. That I mean, I don't. I don't have a whole lot of experience with like sports gating, sports betting, and all that stuff. I didn't really know too much yeah. about it. But man, that was, was a that was a pretty good film. I I liked it a lot. I um, was blown away. It didn't get a single Oscar nomination, which shocked the hell out of me. I it was. I, I agree. It was that was riveting, start to finish. Sandler put on his acting hat real hard. Very did, very did, and uh, he he absolutely nailed it. I mean, some of the some of even the character actors and Adina Menzel and Eric Bogosian. I mean, those were it really it, it rounded out a great great cast. It it, it really did, you know. For me, it, it, you know, you talk about where are we and what have you know. It was interesting. So I grew up in a very religious family, and to some like really sheltered. Like I thought the world knew more about kosher and like what a knish is, you know, than most people actually do, you know, and um, excuse so. Me, I, excuse me, what is a knish? What's a knish? Yeah, I, I get that a lot. Okay. It, it's the best, like, it's the best carbs you can possibly do. Like on cheat day, you can't do better than a, a hot pipe and potato knish. It's, it's basically a mashed potato cake where it's mashed potato that's sort of fried on every end in a closed square with just enough seasoning and spice to where it's absolutely mouth-watering, you know? And this is something that's like normal cuisine in the five boroughs of New York City. You know, you go to like Nebraska or something, God bless the good folks of Nebraska, but clueless, you know? Um, but you know what, you know what, so it's funny. So my first, my like my second job um, I wound up moving to California for a bit, and I wound up consulting the largest ownership of right-wing evangelical Christian radio stations in the country. I am decidedly neither right-wing evangelical nor Christian, though. What's that? The furthest opposite. Right. The, the furthest opposite. Right. And it was it was mind blowing. So the CEO was this guy was like. The religious version of Mr. Burns on The Simpsons. This guy was this aloof corner office, you know. How can we, you know? <laughs> but he interviewed me for two hours, which apparently, according to his lieutenant, is the way you know he liked me. Mm -hmm. And this was crazy. So you, you talk about you talk about me being sheltered. He's the he's the he's the opposite of that being sheltered. About an hour and a half into the interview. He stops the interview and goes, you know, Joe, you know what I've always wanted to ask a Jewish person? What exactly is the difference between a Shlemiel and a Shlemazel? <laughs> Good thing they spoke Yiddish when I grew up, you know. 
and I said, well, if you want to believe what 1970 sitcoms taught the universe, it's very simple. A schlemiel is defined as the schlubby person upon who always spills soup on the next guy. The schlamazel is the guy upon whom the soup has been spilt. Okay. You, ne- you never want to be a shlamil or a shlamazel. I don't know if this is too Jewish for your for, for a traditional uh, evolving with with podcast, but you <laughs> know, I, you- it's it's expanding. It's expanding the the the. Uh- the tradition. I mean, I don't. I. It's not something I was familiar with either. So. It's not something I. It's also something I didn't ever wonder. I just thought it was gibberish words that they said. Right, right. It's a real thing, you know. Just like when they play, you know, Havanagila at a sporting event. It actually has been a traditional wedding dance for thousands of years. You know, right. not necessarily something that happens when your team is rallying in the seventh inning. You know. <laughs> um, so it was like he hired me because he literally wanted to learn a little bit more about mastering the secrets of Jews that had eluded him. I'm not making this up. And so after like four months, I kind of had a re-interview to continue my job and, and extend my contract. And I give that said, so, and I'm given this pitch. I'm like, I got ideas. And we could do this marketing project. Here's the thing. If we sell it at this, it's going to be a 32% profit margin. But if we sell it here, it could be 46. But if we upsell this, we could be looking at an 82% profit margin. And the evangelical Mr. Burns just looks at me and goes, Joe, what is it about you people? <laughs> he just acquainted you with everybody else. So it's not. It's not you specifically. <laughs> it is the secret of the tribe. But being a business person, that was not an insult in any way, shape, or form. He was complimenting not just me, but as they said in Big Lebowski, 5,000 years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You could get Goldberg on this show. It wouldn't be as Jewish a conversation, Corey. <laughs> no Goldberg? <laughs> yeah, I don't really think he'd have... I don't think he'd want to talk with me. Okay. <laughs> Zero desire to talk to me. I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. <laughs> oh, you people all know each other. Am I right? right, exactly, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, I tell you what I, I've... The best thing about being Jewish in terms of just making it advantageous, right? And but but that everyone can learn food. Like from a very early age, it's a Jewish thing, it's also an Italian thing. That if we don't feed you really good food, you're probably not gonna like us and wanna continue to commiserate with us. So like schmoozing with food is a big deal, you know. Be schlemoozed. Schlemoozed, yeah. <laughs> My my old roommate, my old roommate was Jewish, and one of one of one of my my greatest friends. uh, They they both were on my podcast previous a couple times together, and we we're just talking about sort of stuff. And they 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 smartened me up to like the fact that they felt like they were punished, like they were always punished. And I was like, oh man, what? Like he's like, oh yeah, it's. Everything that, that happens to you, it's like you it's your fault. You did something that like made you that and I didn't I didn't understand that struggle. I mean, 
like the, God was punishing you for some, like why do you guys why did you guys allow yourselves to to feel that way? I mean, did you it, did you it, escape it, from it, that feeling or do you still have that? Uh, it, well, you know, uh, not on this podcast, but you know, other times, you know, <laughs> uh, what can I say? You bring out the best in it. I wish there were more Gentiles like you, Gory, I guess is the best compliment I could, I could offer a, a fellow human. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a goy toy. Right. No, right. I, you know, look, your head's covered. I'm yamaka You're ahead of me on this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, what do you call it? No, I agree. No, you're right about that. It's, um, you know, it's interesting. And, and, and this isn't about persecu being persecuted or that kind of thing. And again, I'm just here to talk about happy things. You know, when you're born into the minority and like even we talked about Sandler, you know, he's done now four versions of the Hanukkah song. He comes up with a new one every seven, eight years or what have you. And it's like he started it because Growing up, everyone else had Christmas and Santa and reindeer and specials and cartoons and it, nothing, nothing, you know, nothing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, even like the Charlie Brown peanut special, you know, got into quoting scripture, which is fine, but that's not what I was learning in Hebrew school. <laughs> and um, so there is a little bit of that, you know, unless you are, and I was in a very you know, Jewish predominant neighborhood in Brooklyn when I grew up. So unless you're very kind of into the community, if you're raised Orthodox or what have you, there's few places you're not going to go and not be a minority. And then, you know, as you choose to, you know, if you elect to be a practicing person, it makes it a bit even more of a struggle. You know, I, I love being invited to your home for dinner. I, and in the most tactful way possible, I say, you know, look, I keep kosher. I absolutely want to enjoy the best of what you have. There's some restrictions. I hope it's not inconvenient to you. It's something I've been doing my whole life, so I'm kind of used to it. But I don't want to be put in an uncomfortable position either, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, no, there is a bit of the struggle and a little bit of the, the persecution. It's like, look, a lot of people have gone away from it. But, you know, and then it comes and it goes to the where are we going? What is the big thing? I got to tell you, brother, I don't just believe in karma. I've seen it. I've seen the bad come around. You know, the only boss I ever had was a total asshole. Not actually, not even the Mr. Burns guy, someone before him. And he wound up like losing everything financially for a long period of time because it came back to bite him. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of karma happen to a lot of bad people. And I got to tell you, I, you know, I really have tried to put positivity out there and as much as I can. And I truly, I've seen the reward in countless ways, you know, from people I haven't heard from in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years calling me a, Joe, I got to tell you, I've been meaning to tell you all this time, you know, you really did change my life with this advice kind of thing, or, you know, to be able to say, hey, you opened my insight to that. And, and it really does come back to you truly. And I, you know, in terms of where we're going, who knows what the next step has, you know, Right. Um, I've known three people who've been clinically dead and have described an afterlife. So, I mean, there's something, you know, um, you know, brother-in-law, um, mother's friend and, uh, mother's friend's husband and, uh, former coworkers husband all described variations on out of body experiences, you know, when they were on the table. So can there you, might be something to it. Are you, can you, uh, are you comfortable in sharing any of that information that yeah. you might uh, that might still remember? I mean, I won't yeah, no. I, I won't uh, quote you or take you like too seriously yeah, because no, I know I just, a secondary I'm not, story. 
And I'm not even necessarily advocating, oh, this is absolutely what happens. I'm telling you, I know this. I got the, it, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, right, yeah. it, it could be that our mind goes to a certain hallucinatory place too. Or, you know, if you're under a bright light on a surgical thing, maybe you're mistaking it. Who knows? You know, who knows? I mean, the, the moment that you die, DMT is released into your brain. I mean, yeah. you're, so, I mean, that that's hallucinogenic, <clears throat> but... I mean, I think about that kind of thing all the time. But no, very much so. Tell me the, the, the stories if you can. No, got a brother-in-law. Um, I forget. I, I forget what any of the folks had or what have you. I think it was hypoglycemic or something like that. And he had described uh, an out-of-body experience. Didn't necessarily describe a, a heavenly experience per se, uh, but described an experience where he remembers looking down on his own body on the table. Mm. Um. Uh, former co-worker, I brought, what's that? Like ghost dad? Like ghost, yeah, like, you know, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> you know, like Patrick Swayze in the third act of Ghost, actually, <laughs> after Molly's been saved, you know, <laughs> and it turns out Whoopi Goldberg was a psychic the whole time, you know, <laughs> Um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, co-worker's husband. This was actually at the uh, at the Christian radio ownership. And I mean, they were churchgoers and, you know, religious people, but not zealots by any stretch, you know, what have you. He very much described to me a situation where he didn't necessarily see pearly gates, but he remembered this ethereal, you know, cloudy, you know, being drawn to a light type experience. And then sort of remembers saying, yeah, it's not yet my time, you know, and I think this was when he was in his maybe 30s or something like that. Um, a third one was one of my, my mother's eldest childhood friend, I believe, uh, uh, had that situation and also described a very comparable experience between along the lines of the two that I described. So maybe, you know. <laughs> I mean, at least, you know, you're happy for the first few minutes. That seems to be what circumstantial evidence dictates, you know. And here's a weird thing. Like, I knew I was facing, and I don't even know if you know this, and I, I hate talking about it on the podcast because I've said it a billion times. Uh, I, I had an experience in 2011 where I had to, I had to ha go under to have brain surgery, right? Oh. So uh, there was all this research that I did before it where it was like, you might not make it like some of it was like this person came out this way this person came out this way this person died this person died this person died so in my research which i shouldn't have done because i freaked myself out i it was i was starting to picture whatever like the worst part of it was and i remember tons of times thinking like i can't have this be the end because i know that i have got so much more to do and yeah. And then I came back, and then I came back to wrestling, you know, 13 months later. I got back in the ring. Um, I, I just, I, I don't want to be stopped, you know. It's, and I didn't, I didn't even know at that time that I wanted to have my own podcast. I mean, I didn't have a podcast in 2011. Those weren't a thing yet. Most people who aren't didn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those weren't a thing yet. Well, like, it, I mean, it's it sort of those kind of experiences kind of help you find out who you want to be. And uh, I can imagine any of those people who explain exper their experience like that to you have a better, clearer picture of who they'd like to continue to be. 
with their life question. It, it, you know, it, it, it has to wake you up. You know, I mean, at that point, it doesn't get more basic bare bones than that, you know, yeah. in, in terms of where life is going to go to for you, if you're going to be an asshole, a beautiful person or somewhere in between, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know for sure where it's going. Uh, I don't I mean, I have goals. I for sure want to hit my goals. And uh, I just want to make sure that I'm showing people that it's possible to to improve yourself while you're while you're working towards your goals. Without question. I mean, I, I wasn't doing you and I met. I don't know how existential you want to get, but, you know, um, you know, you and I met in something that I didn't know was going to be a part of my life two years ago. You know, I had gotten whereas I had done more, you know, non-scripted stuff and game shows and that kind of thing. I had done like one acting gig, uh, you know, you know, much younger. And beyond that, you and I met, uh, talk about a crazy, you, you want to talk about existential and goals. And I really firmly believe that um, nothing happens. Like you can take anything bad and make good from it. You know, I was on the amazing race. Here's how you and I know each other. This is this this is all the things that had to happen for you and I to know each other. If okay. it goes long, pull your ear or something. I'll try to keep it progressively. Okay. You know, how do we know each other. How do we, I'll tell you why we know each other. Okay. All right, wrap it up. It's getting too long. Pull my. I know. Okay. I get that a lot. Yeah, it's why. I'm, it's why I'm better on podcasts than at bars. Uh, you know. Um. So I was on the. I was on the Amazing Race. Didn't do particularly well. You know. Um. One of my very best friends in life came from the Amazing Race, where to this day he's regarded as the most despised villain in Amazing Race history. Um, I, you know, what can I say? I, I, I'm the one that found the redemptive qualities and, you know, kind of an inspiring guy in that it took him 35 years. He moved out to Hollywood when he was 19 and at 55 years old, four years ago, he got to direct his first studio picture for Lionsgate, um, a, a movie starring Nicolas Cage, Faye Dunaway, Gina Gershon. Um, a female wrestler, actually, I can't think of her name um, off the top of my head, um, had a major had a major role. I'm sorry, I can't think of her right now. And although I wasn't in the movie acting wise, he wanted me out there just to, like, be his moral support and make him laugh and smile and keep it real for him. And, you know, what have you and be be to him what Robin Williams was when Steven Spielberg was making Schindler's List. And, should, you know, Steven Spielberg got so depressed recreating the Holocaust, he actually called Robin Williams and says, please make me laugh, buddy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, so my buddy wanted me to be his Robin Williams on set, you know. Yeah, I didn't know and, that um, about, about uh, Robin Williams and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. I want to be somebody's Robin Williams. That's his, you're right. And everybody, like, that's really it. You know, like, ever since I heard that, that, you know, Robin Williams helped save Schindler's List in terms of keeping keeping the energy level and the perspective for, for Steven Spielberg. That's, you know, something I try to be. I, I know it's something you have in you, brother, and I mean it sincerely. Um, you know, so I, I was my friend's Robin Williams on his, on his, you know, directorial debut, became really good friends with the with one of the stand-ins. And she got me into the show. We, we've kept up for a couple of years, this four years ago, got me into the show as a fan, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel the most Jewish show ever, the one that makes I love Seinfeld 
look like, you know, the Waltons, you know, <laughs> and um, what do you call it? So about three months into my fandom, she actually, she sent me a casting notice from backstage saying, hey, they're looking for background. I'm like, so want to do it, you know, and um, I didn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the, the wherewithal. I didn't have the subscription yet. She didn't have the subscription. I didn't have the contact info. I could find anything on the internet. I Googled it. I found the casting director's email. I cold email them, no bullshit. 40 seconds later, I get a one word, I get a one sentence response. Can you be in Brooklyn for a fitting tomorrow? And so from Maisel, I got called for other Maisel. I wound up having targeted ads on Facebook that got me cast featured in a national Comcast commercial. You know, it's, you know, with, line, with a couple of lines, what have you more background segueing to, you know, the acting, the moral of the story, and, and you and I had occasion to meet through our mutual connection who I met on a set. And like, literally, if I don't lose the amazing race and see something in the guy who everyone else thought was a schmuck, you know, and, <laughs> and support him at a time that no one is and talk to someone who's considered you know, a, a, a mid-level talent on the set and keep up with her, though she, you know, we have little in common and, and become a fan of Mrs. Maisel, but, but like, I'm not doing this now, you know? And and that really is life if if you just pay better attention to it, you know? Yeah. we Dude, I, I have to say, like, my, my fandom of Mrs. Maisel, that show, is just because I'm, I'm, I'm such a fan of stand-up comedy, like... Stand-up comedy is like, like the the, it's like the blood in my veins. It's really something that drives me to be who I who I want to be. But uh, that's amazing. And then you met you met my girlfriend on the zombie show, right? Yes, um, yes. Which I don't know if we're allowed to say yet, so I don't know. But yeah, zombies are fine. There's lots of zombies, lots I, of zombies. You know, I who knows if that. If, I mean. One of the, one of the stars got canceled in this whole thing, and that is very much a concern of whether or not that project will see the light of day. Yes, right. right. Yeah, twenty twenty. <laughs> um, shoot, but yeah, then then we were on that stupid Facebook commercial in the coldest, <laughs> the very the very very coldest day of the year. 4.18 a.m. call time and no breakfast. <laughs> we were also in the middle of shooting Bruce at the time. So I had all my fake tattoos on me. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so when we met, I was all fake tatted up. You were probably like, this jerk. <laughs> you know, like it say you know it back at you and you know full circle for this episode you know 191 you know i i grade you on a curve because of your company you grade me on a curve because of your company you know <laughs> um, so i always say on the shows absolutely you know like i have to make sure that it's on the record that i tell you that it was very important to me to have you on the show and I wanted to, I wanted us to have a moment where we could, where we could develop our friendship a little bit more. And I'm glad that we have. And I'm, I'm very glad, I'm very glad that you were able to carve out some of this time for me. And I appreciate your attention and your, your uh, effort. 
And <laughs> you, you, you act as though you, that was a little too much of a struggle to let's find something. Did he do something good? I don't know. Did he do something? Effort, effort, effort. Yes, he made an effort. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I always say that this is this is kind of a timestamp, right? So yes. this show, this episode, this is this audio, this video might outlive both of us. Right. There's a good chance it's going to live for another, you know, who, whoever knows how long the world's going to last for, but it will last as long as the world does. Uh, you know, when people tell me you were on the amazing race, I quote Betty Wright. I said, yes. And I look even younger in reruns. <laughs> <laughs> so the, it, that's really funny too, because dude, people have been finding, old wrestling matches of mine and talking to me about them like from when i was like a teenager so i'm like i didn't even know what i didn't even know how to be a, a <laughs> wrestler yet like it's i wouldn't i wouldn't judge me on watching that <laughs> it was so like if you want to ask me questions about that i most mostly most of it i don't remember i was too young and i also Got concussed a lot in those days. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear about? And I, if we're wrapping up for time or something, then you know huh. we'll do it. it just, we're there's plenty of friendship off camera, but um, you want to hear? I, it's not that I'm. I don't keep this a secret. My first on camera experience, I got paid fifty bucks to not be naked nor sexual in a Skinamax. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do you have an IMDb credit from it? I do. Dangerous pleasures. <laughs> I have a very uh, I have a very similar story. My first IMDb credit was on this like on this like B level like comedy uh, that was supposed to be like Porky's kind of thing. It was called Bazookas. <laughs> and uh, I was I was just doing I was just doing background and uh, this was I'm going to say 2004, 2005. It was a long-ass time ago. And I was, like, supposed to stand in the background of, like, there was this, like, gym that was closing down. So they were having a party in the gym, like a pool party in the gym. And I was just some guy with a red cup in the background. And there was a guy in a hot tub. And he was supposed to be, like, daydreaming and then wake up and then go to stand up. And then he has, he has an erection. And I, I was just like, dude, none of the, like, I was just dicking around with the other background actors. And I was just like, no making, pun intended. Yeah. I was just, I was just making them laugh and stuff. And I was bored. It was, it was <laughs> a shoot. I was bored. I was just making these people laugh. And then the director came up to me and he's like, Hey, Corey, uh, real quick. Come here. <laughs> I thought he going to be like, dude, can you shut the fuck up? But he was, he was like, he was like, I want, when, when the guy stands up, I want you to go. Dude, you got a boner. <laughs> so when the dude stands up, I go, dude, you got a boner. And then they credited me in the scene and on IMDb as boner guy. So look at my IMDb page. It'll say boner guy. Bazooka's the movie, boner guy. What's your name, boner guy, in the Skinamax film? <laughs> 
Wow, I <laughs> I got a good story, but uh, you know, I I know you won the credit there. I um, <laughs> wow, uh, that's amazing. I okay, and and may I say, you do a brilliant Keanu Reeves meets Ashton Kutcher, dude. You got a boner. You yeah. really, you just nailed the two greatest people you'd ever want to hear that 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 statement made from. Both heroes of mine, uh, Bill and Ted, both movies, I can quote you every single line with the movie on mute, and I can say the whole movie. I can karaoke that movie. <laughs> trailer, the, new, the trailer finally dropped today. You yeah, saw I it? today. I, okay. tweeted, I tweeted about it, and I was like, <laughs> a friend of mine cried during the trailer to Star Wars, and I was like, I don't get it. But then I watched <laughs> the trailer to Bill and Ted 3. <laughs> Niagara Falls. <laughs> So the, the thing I was saying about the timestamps and how the fact that, you know, this audio is outliving us, uh, I call this segment uh, audio time travel. Okay. So in this moment, let's just say your voice itself is traveling 20, 30 years into the future. The people who love you want to know exactly who, what kind of person you are. And you're giving them a message for what this time was like during quarantine during 2020, during the most uncertain time we've lived through, what would you? What message would you give them? So, uh, okay, so it, it, verbal time capsule on you know where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I it, it, not getting into social or political or anything. Nobody needs to hear that. You know, it's you know, it's everybody's got an opinion, and I want to be none of them. You know, uh, you know, for me. Obviously, 2020 went the way nobody expected. Nobody was prepared for this and countless, countless terrible, terrible things that have happened that, that truly, I think, have ripped out the guts of humanity. You know, people who remember the 60s have all said the 60s weren't this bad, you know, uh, you know, with the, you know, with the unfortunate riots and, and political unrest Vietnam at that time. Um, I gotta tell you, I've as and I don't mean this in any way to demean any suffering or loss that that, that people have had, and a few people in my circle have been lost due, uh, uh, you know, due to the virus, um, including my eldest relative. Um, he, uh, you know, for me, it's been a positive, and I'm always going to try to look for the positive because, frankly, if you're a person who looks for the negative, you're just not going to enjoy life very much. And and well, what the fuck's much, the you'll find too much of it? If you're yeah, you'll find, if you're finding it. You're it's easy to find, find you know. It. Yeah. It's more challenging to find the happiness. I got to tell you, for me, you know, what started out really strong prior to the pandemic, I've been casting about four or five more featured roles, going to the next level of, you know, trying to do a bit more of the on camera. I've been lucky. I've been cast in just since the pandemic began about nine or ten projects. Uh, you know, of varying, you know, of varying natures, uh, you know, none background, not anything wrong with it, just a little bit more featured. And it's because I didn't stop hustling. It's because I looked for the things that made sense. But I got to tell you, I, my phone has rang or, or my email has has blinked with a lot of people who've had some really great opportunities uh, just for developing shows. And I'm in the process of developing my own pilot right now using a college friend and you know as talent and using a really good friend also i made on amazing race as my co-producer 
Um, I myself am developing a niche kind of dream podcast with the same producer guy. Other, you know, I, I was up for a game show. Oh, I have good news for you. I, well, I, I have interesting news. It's not great news, but I have, I have, oh, I have mediocre news. I'll get to it before we end. You'll like yeah. it. Oh, you know? um, We're going to see each other in a couple of days, I think. No, that we will. That, no, that we will. And, and, and your girlfriend will, will love hearing it, too, because it involves and is about her as well as you. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I got to tell you, back in April, I saw a lot of people posting memes on their Instagram stories. You know, you don't have to start a new hobby. You don't have to start a new career. You don't have to. No one's judging. And I, yes, you don't. You can just take every day of the pandemic day by day and, and live your life. And if that's you, respect as long as you're happy and, and doing the best you can by the people in your life. But this was an opportunity. The world is reinvented in countless ways from a more than a bigger demand for video based and audio based content, you know, to how, you know, in different ways that we're interacting with each other. You know, I tried to buy a windscreen for my microphone last month at Best Buy to find out that all the Best Buys are sold out of windscreens of all things for microphones because everyone decided they're, they're, they're a star and took advantage of this opportunity to create their the own things? Yeah. I got yeah. I got a bag of them in my closet. I'll bring one for you. I would, you know, I, my birthday was last month. It's never too late to say I love you, Joe. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll hook you up. You see, you see, and that in a nutshell is the good side of Judaism. I took what was a nice, polite gesture and I closed the sale to assure you really have no choice but to show up with my free shit. You <laughs> <laughs> You look like the schmuck if you don't. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to remind me, but um, I'll try to remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was a time, you know, long, you know, four-minute dissertation to your question. You know, it was a time that sucked in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm a very outgoing person. I'm an extrovert. I'm, I'm, I'm a hugger, you know. I'm a handshaker. I'm a back, you know, a backpatter. You know, you know, the fact that that was deprived. I'm a very adventuresome guy. For my birthday last month, I just climbed two 80-foot cliffs for the first time in my life because I got back into climbing. You know, I, I got up to biking 16 miles at a clip, which I, you know, I, I'd never done. You know, I like being out and active and adventuresome. The fact that I can't, last year I swam a 5K. Now I can't go into a public pool, you know. Um, so it, you know, a lot of it sucked. But it was also a time to reinvent. I got to tell you, also, I don't know about you. People called me. The phone rang. People from my past called me. Just, hey, Joe was thinking about you. Hey, you know, how's it going? Catch me up. You know, let's talk for two hours. And, you know, it has been a great time to reconnect on a human conversation level and not, you know, and not this, you know. For the people only listening and not watching the video, he was holding his phone up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was only using two thumbs. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, I, I, uh, it, I'm happy about your optimism. I enjoy it and I welcome it. I very much welcome your optimism because uh, I think more the world needs more people with that level of optimism. Yeah, call it a survival skill. You know, what's the, you know, what's the point of tomorrow or next year or next decade without it? You know, 
there's the, there's a lot to be done and you know whether it's on camera goals or whatever it is business uh you know you know family interpersonal relationships travel bucket list what have you you know um you know i number number one and two on my bucket list are take a suborbital space flight which is now becoming a very expensive reality not that i have that scratch lying around but also do one of the zero g flights you know that they have where literally you get to suspend gravity and fly in 20 second clips just because I just always thought it would be a cool thing to experience human flight, you know, yeah. and uh, I've already penciled that second one in for two years from now. And just a couple of years ago, I actually pitched the director of sales on locking me in on a cheaper deal before prices go up, saying, I'm going to give you I'm going to pay you in like four years for a deal you're going to make me today. You know, <laughs> okay. well, um. I just for for some reason I couldn't get the the microphone working today, so I'm just using the the uh, the 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 in built-in mic to talk to you. So yeah. if the sound quality sucks for the people listening, sorry. Uh, but I did I did want to make sure I flip this around here for a minute. I want to flip this around here for a minute and give you the opportunity. To ask me whatever you want to ask me or say to me whatever you want to say to me. And, uh, you know, we'll just let that go and let's see how you go until you're done going. And, and, and you know, and, and, and the, the, the compliment, you know, epic rap battle, you know, will, will commence. Um, no, I, first of all, truly, I, I can't begin to tell you how much it means to me, all of what you said, you know, and, and truly, you know, mutual admiration society, brother. I mean that sincerely. Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, what could I say? I am over 30. And once you get past 30, you, you know, whereas like your first 30 years are about collecting new and interesting people. Past 30, you find yourself whittling them down one by one, you know, and you're one of the rare people I've met past 30 that I'm like, I look forward to more times with you, you know, <laughs> which is the ultimate compliment I can give you. Um, you know, you're really the it, it's you. You, too, have the the energy and the positivity of of you know, all your endeavors, the acting, the, you know, uh, you know, the, the behind the scenes aspect of entertainment, the podcast, wrestling, <laughs> we're making sure the rent is paid in whatever, you know, honorable way you can, you know, I, you know, I think the world of your, your girl, <laughs> there's no judgments, there's no judgments, there's no judgments, I, you know, I was at a party two nights ago, no bullshit, I was one of the few people that don't have an OnlyFans account, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I guess it's mainstream now, <laughs> no, I don't want to pay you $7.99 a month, you know, <laughs> well, that's what people um, are for. what's I, that, I, yeah, I, I, just going set, right. I just set mine up yesterday, honestly, and, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear back, to hear back on, the, uh, on whatever, like, the price. You have to, like, apply first, and then they have to get back to you. So, You know, I, as a marketing guy, we'll talk. You know, it, it, you want to get them in with a small price, then upsell them on, on the true Corey Castle, you know, limited edition bongo set. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, you know, the, the fact that you have the energy and the drive to do as much as as you do. And, and I couldn't be happier for you in that you have a life partner right now who truly is a, a natural born star in, in, in countless ways. 
And, and I, I love watching how you two are able to feed off of one another. And I mean that sincerely, uh, you know, for both your stakes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested. You know, I, I'd almost flip the script on you. And, you know, yes, your motivation is you have to pay the rent and you want the best possible life. And money is one aspect of life. And, and you know, fine, you're allowed to be recognized for your achievements. We all have an ego and there's nothing wrong with that as long as we're not douchey about it. Um, you know, what would be, you know, what is your motivation to do this? I mean, where does, you know, I, I think you have a lot of good things. You're, you're, you're the second wrestler I've, I've ever befriended and, 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 and the first one that could actually complete a full sentence. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that puts you above the price of admission, you know? <laughs> well, do would you be willing to say who that other one was and would it be someone I would know? Privately and maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed Kevin Nash though once. Very nice guy. Super friendly. Super well, friendly. I mean, then that would have been the third wrestler you've met. That would have been the third. I wouldn't call, I'm not, if I meet a person once, we're not friends. I'm not self-delusional, but I was really beyond, not, he couldn't have been a, lovelier human being genuinely genuinely friendly. right we were we were we were at a show together in nashville uh, in september of last year but he we, he didn't talk to me at all he was he happened to be in the same building but break the ice next time break the ice he he he, 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 he struck me as a decent enough fellow you know right so the, the question you were asking? Uh, yeah, so the, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I should ask shorter questions. I've learned that about myself as I'm evolving in the podcast. Um, uh, you know, I guess the question is, you know, effectively, what makes you tick? What is it that you want to be judged by? And you're, you want to be remembered by in that, not just in terms of a film you made or appeared in or a podcast, but what are you trying to put out there? You evolving is such a great and underutilized verb you know and um it can really go in a lot of ways but generally all of them positive and it beats devolving and you know and you know in terms of evolving what do you want to evolve to be and what would you like to see the people you give a shit about in your life evolve to be uh Okay, um, I think most of it, most of it can be summed up by inspiration. That's what I want to be. I want my, my like legacy to be some sort of inspiration to anyone who feels maybe misrepresented or feels like maybe they, you know, maybe they're too, too dumb to do something or too old or too this or too that. Like, no. You're not to anything. You like, you you just you got to be refocused on it. Because I mean, like, when I was in when I was in school, I was in special ed from fourth grade till graduation. Like, a uh, learning dis learning disability. Uh, sure, okay, but like, I I could have I could have continued to be a victim to it. I could have stayed a, a spectator in my life, but now I want to continue to be a deliberate creator in my existence and inspire others to also be that. Just saying like whatever this thing that, that was an obstruction and turn that into an obstacle that I got over. 
So I, to say that anything comes into my life and, and like messes my life up completely is it's not, it's really not something I want to see happen to, to the people I love or the people who love me. Beautiful point. Yeah. No, that's, um, uh, wow. Uh, no, I didn't, no, I, I appreciate being forthright with me about that brother. Um, no, you nailed it. Um, you know, it's, I always remember if you ever saw the movie Bowling for Columbine, you know, when uh, uh, Michael Moore interviewed Marilyn Manson at one point, and Marilyn Manson, I thought, said, said something that every young kid should hear. He's like, who you are at 12 is in no way a reflection of your potential, who you can be, who you're going to be. It doesn't matter how they're looking at you now, and I'm using much nicer language than Marilyn Manson used. Uh, you know, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the age restrictions are on on uh, you know on your iTunes there. Um, but um, okay. <laughs> um, and it was I, I thought that was really on point in terms of you know frankly it was interesting. So it it, it was really interesting in that. As I've reconnected with people from high school or growing up, whether it was, you know, girls I had a crush on or guys who were like the big man on campus or, you know, the flip side of it, the ones who are kind of under the radar screen or maybe nerdy or all in between and watching how their lives went about really is you know, like it really doesn't define you, you know, <laughs> you know, you are you are capable of flipping the script no matter what. I said this on I said this on the the last episode the last episode of, of the podcast, um, which which I recorded yesterday, but it'll come out it'll come out on the audio form, like in September. So, it's it's fine. Uh, I I I said that over the summer I did an episode where I interviewed one of my favorite comedians, Todd Glass. Okay, so. Uh, in that episode, I talked about how I tried to listen back to the episode that we recorded two years ago, and I was too embarrassed by myself to listen to the episode because there was a lot of things in there that it was like uh, I felt like I kept saying like too much and ums, and I was like trying to get my points out, and I was talking over them, and and I was telling him about how I was embarrassed to try to listen back to it, and he said. You should be embarrassed. Who you were isn't who you are. Like you're, con it's the name of the show, dude. Like it's right. the name. Of the show. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you can be embarrassed, but what are you gonna now? What? <laughs> Countless people hang their hats, and it just it's as you know as as, as life goes on. I got to tell you, I veer. I, I veered away from a lot of people in life that I grew up with that just kind of hang their hats and are like, this is it. What am I going to do? You know, and I just I, I feed off of other people's energy, you know, whether it's positivity or goals or drive or, you know, it's why I like I, that's why I enjoy encouraging people on set because there is a, a brightness in everybody's eyes, you know, you know, a drive, a hunger, some of it self-delusional, some of it actual talent. But, hey, we're all allowed to have a dream. And, you know, it's, I, I, you know, how do you not vibe off of that? Well, that being said, I want to make sure that I say to you on the record, if at any point I can be some kind of resource to you or any 
any way that I can help you, if like you need to talk to somebody, if you feel like you just need some judgment-free conversation, I'm always here. Uh, don't don't hesitate to ask me for me to be any kind of resource to you. If uh, you know if you want to come back on the podcast at any point, don't hesitate to ask me. Uh, if, so, if you haven't be, even scratched the surface of shit, so if you want me to be a guest on your upcoming podcast, absolutely have no problem doing that. Um, the the thing is, the way I look at it is, uh, I've, two of my very best friends that I've ever had have been guests on this show and then went to start their own podcasts, and they're amazing podcasts, and I get to be able to listen. I have new podcasts that I get to listen to now. <laughs> and, and I know that my, my voice, my perspective is mine. And theirs isn't the same. So they're not in competition with me. So I'm very encouraging. So absolutely have your own show. I want that to be the case. Make your own show. Make your own pilot, man. I, I want to see it. I, wanna, I, I'll, I would act in it. For sure, <laughs> it's a non-scripted one, but yes, and it doesn't. It it could legitimately the model, the non-scripted model I want to go for. I could see you fitting into it. I really could. So, um, I I did get started in reality TV before I started reading lines and shit. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think in my in my brain, I've always I've always thought that I had the type of backstory that would make a pretty decent in like reality series. I mean. I, I come from a family where I have a, I have a, a single mom. Uh, she's a lesbian. She has diagnosed with MS. I have a gay brother. I have a, a sister who's married to a woman who they have a baby. And I have a, another little sister who's like, I raised her when we were kids. Like she's 11 years younger than me. So I, I've taken an immense amount of pride in who she's become. That's why I also go like, I don't know if I ever want kids because if they don't come out the way she did, she was so perfect. I've already been, I've already been spoiled by how great Jess is. I agree. You, you, you went through that. You went through the process. It, it makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I've went through a process with other people in my life too. And, and, and happy not having kids for that reason too. So I get it. I get it. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm also like, you know, how many pro wrestlers does everybody know? Nobody. Um, <laughs> how many how many pro wrestlers slash comics slash uh podcasters do people know not a whole lot the first one i know that didn't hit me up for money I mean, <laughs> i'll take money i mean if you're offering it oh, uh, you know i i, I totally it goes but you got to pay attention to your own podcast i give food i catering catering Corey, catering you know, <laughs> and what you do. See, I don't understand hunters because you can get the same effect. You just tip the waiter for better service. You don't have to look at a corpse at the end of the end. Okay, so I'll bring a, a windscreen and you bring a knish and we will trade. Here's the most obscure fact you will ever get in the entire span of Evolving with Corey Castle. One of the bleakest moments in Jewish kosher history took place approximately seven to nine years ago. The, the big Kanish producer 
on, on planet Earth is a company named Gabila's Knishes. Their factory is in Long Island. Um, it caught fire in the early 2010s. So there was actually a mass knish shortage worldwide. <laughs> and like, I've never, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I'm not a fairly straight edge, not, not a big drinker. Drugs aren't my thing. Knishes, buddy, knishes. You can't, no, you gotta get the factory. Turn the machines on. <laughs> I, I've been told that I'm, I'm very, I'm very niche. Very niche <laughs> audience. Very niche audience for my. You take the first letter of the word castle. You put the apostrophe there. Yes, it's the Kanish. I it I, it works. I um, Kanish is for everybody. You know. <laughs> okay, so the way I wrap it up every time, the way I wrap up the show, we're gonna start wrapping it up at this point. Uh, I usually say hypothetically i've gifted you this podcast okay so the show this has been the pilot episode episode one of evolving with joe rashbaum okay uh in a very jerry springer's final thought sort of way you wrap up what messages you can take from this in order to evolve to a better version of yourself evolve from like what could i take from the last conversation we've had or, or before that? that we've been talking what, yeah. are the, what is the stuff, what, what, what are the messages that can help whoever's listening or whoever's watching to evolve to a better version of themselves? No, without, uh, no and to be honest, that's, uh, it's along the lines of a lot of what I, you know, my last name's Rashbaum and a lot of my lifelong friends use Rashbauming as a verb and an adjective to <laughs> try to make shit happen that no one else on the planet could, you know, <laughs> like, you know, beating out 61,000 applicants to be on The Amazing Race or something, um, you know, or it, it, what have you. It, to me, it, the answer is I like teaching people how to rash found their way to a better life. And, you know, you're right. And I'm not saying that as a pretentious jerk with my own name, but, you know, there's always an angle. There's always an angle that you can find to make your dream come true. And it comes from learning from mistakes. You're not going to become a better person without fucking up, you know, it's, it's, right. it's part of the journey. You just have to can't fuck up the same way twice and expect different results, you know, right. um, you really can't. Um, but it's also, it's about not taking your eyes off the prize. If you have a goal that is hopefully not an evil goal that is going to really make a difference in your life and get you to evolve to a point where there's just no more evolution necessary. There's always a solution to that. Again, for Alex Honnold, the free solo, it took him a lot. It took the world's greatest time or a long ass time, but he figured out how to climb a 3,200 foot mountain without any ropes. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, you've you know, you've gone on a journey yourself to evolve from the, that kid you were in fourth grade, biggest kid on the shortest bus. Why not? You know, um, did, and did, you, did, know, you it, take, it, did you take from that that I tell you that I was a fat kid? No, I know you're tall. Uh, <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you said fattest kid, the, the fat kid in fourth grade. No, I, I thought I said the biggest kid, but I, I, no, I didn't say fat. Okay, let's rewind. Sorry. No, I wasn't insulting you. <laughs> it was a compliment. And it went no, I, I totally. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
<laughs> I said, okay, we might be less offending when we insult each other. <laughs> um, no, but it, you know, in a nutshell, you know, don't give up the dream. I, I've seen so many people, whether it's it's business and money, whether it's relationships. I, you know, it blows my mind how many not historically perceived attractive physically people wound up with attractive people as mates, you know, again, you're not the person that you were at the worst part of your life. And always remember that. And I, and I think, what do we get out of it? It really should always, evolving should absolutely be a daily theme and buzzword and goal and mantra. And to know that tomorrow you're going to be in a better spot to evolve than you were yesterday. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's inspiring. No, thank you, brother. I, I appreciate the time and interest and, and, and the chance to voice it. I, Dude, I, I have to have to say how much uh, how much it's meant to me that you've that you've come here and hung with me and given me your your time. It's amazing. Dude, and, that uh, tapestry, your eyes can get lost for hours. It's like it's like a lava lamp. It's like, <laughs> we got we got to do it again, man. We'll catch up in Absolutely. another year or two. Just Definitely. see how. You know, see how how much we've evolved since today. No, nah, you know, we're going to have stories. If nothing else, we have other projects coming out. So, uh, you know, I I can't imagine it's going to be bored until then. I just I look forward to making a lot more off mic, off camera, amazing memories together with you guys. You guys are the best. And you know, anybody listening or watching, uh, if this is your first time checking out the show, you know, go back and check out the the backlog. There should be 190 other episodes that you could enjoy. And, you know, maybe you won't like some more than you like others, but maybe you'll get some cool things out of it. Uh, maybe you'll know some of the people who've been on the show. Maybe you'll learn to, you know, learn new new people to be into. And uh, people, because <laughs> uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely a journey, and it's an evolving journey. And I appreciate all of the currency that is your effort and your time. And... Be fun and have safe. <laughs> Take it easy, Corey, man. Thanks again. I appreciate you. All right. See you, Joe. Be good, man. You too, man. Bye. Uh...